Hello, listeners. It's Philip here. I'm with my brother, Peter. Um, Mark can't join us. He's with uh, his Malfis, uh, as in his son, uh, not the guy who made the semifinals of Montreal this week. Um, recently, I guess since Wimbledon, uh, a few things have happened, but I guess one thing that's been getting a lot of attention is Nick Kyrgios on Match Point asking a fan in the front row which direction to serve the ball at. Um, and I was, uh, and Peter and I were, uh, were thinking about, is there anything that we've encountered on court sort of similar to that? Um, and one thing that I remembered was a guy I would play squash with. Uh, there were times when he just refused to take his headphones off like when practicing and playing and it felt like just incredibly disrespectful and he was just doing it to be cool like to who whatever like onlooker walked by the way curious is doing this to be cool for the television camera and i'm just like imagining man it's great for everyone except the opponent must find this so annoying uh <laughs> peter do you have um do you have an example of such a thing? Yeah, what's amazing about Kyrgios is that he pulls it off in a way that the fans like him, even if his opponents don't. And I've been around a lot of irritating like uh, behaviors uh, in a competitive situation. Uh, I think the closest... there There isn't like... A, he doesn't have a signature move the same way Kyrgios does if Kyrgios continues doing this. But uh, one guy I know in squash, he was just, he would just roll up to the courts. He was always the best dressed one. He was always just like, his just shots just dripped with swagger and he would be the biggest dick to the ref, but people still liked him anyway because he had this sort of like vibe to him. Yeah, he was like Um, cocky. So that's the closest one I've, that's the closest one I can think of that actually pulled it off. But in terms of just being annoying on court, I remember it was uh, there was a tournament when I was 16 years old where I was up against this guy who was beating me two, two games to zero. So he was about to beat me. And um, midway through the third game, I hit an error and just under my breath, I, I cursed. I was like, ah, oh, shit. And uh, he stopped he just like stopped everything and stopped the momentum of the match and um, sought to adjudicate with the ref to rep that the ref should reprimand me because I was cursing on court. And I just felt like this is, this is, I wasn't even being like, I wasn't being flamboyant at all about it. It was a sort of under the breath thing. And um, that actually motivated me to pick up my game and end up winning the match. And so that was an example of how being annoying can actually backfire and motivate the opponent. <laughs> well, yeah, you know who's saying, oh, fuck right now is um, Grigor Dimitrov. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there was the U.S. Open, Wimbledon. What was the other one where he played Stan first round? The French Open? Um. I forget them all. There was, 
the U.S. Open and Wimbledon last year. Did did they play again at Wimbledon? Uh, yeah, they played again at Wimbledon this year. They may have even played at the Australian Open. I forget. Oh, I'll but, bring up uh, their head-to-head right now. Yeah, bring up their head-to-head. But uh, this is relevant great. again because uh, they played each other first round in um, Montreal, and uh, they're going to play again first round in um, Cincinnati, uh, which is just insa- uh, hilarious. Um, but you got to feel bad for Grigor because he's lost all of them, all of the matches. Um, and his ranking is down to 74th, at least um, the live, his live ranking. Um, and if he had not played Stan... Okay, here it is. It, they've played four times uh, since... So they played at the first round of Wimbledon uh, 2018, first round of the U.S. Open 2018, uh the uh, I guess round of thirty two in Roland Garros uh, this year, and uh, the first round in Montreal this year. So basically, three Grand Slams, uh, and two Masters one thousands events. Uh, Every surface. Yeah, uh, Stan has just been there to make sure Grigor Dimitrov doesn't get the ranking points required to maintain a top 30 ranking. And the only reason it was possible for them to play the first round was because uh, Stan had been injured and was coming back from injury. And by the time Stan was a top 30 seed, he had beaten Grigor enough times that Grigor was no longer a top 30 seed. Yeah, talk about just owning somebody. Uh, <laughs> you think Grigor can do it this time? Or do you think it's just such a deep, or do you think they'll need time? Do you think they'll need time not having played each other for Grigor to like summon the confidence to give it a real go? So, uh, short answer is no. I do not think Grigor can uh, do it again this time. Long answer, if you want me to explain it, is that uh, he's. Um, He's one of the most mentally soft uh, players I've ever had the chance to watch. Uh, I call him the uh, Beto O'Rourke of uh, men's tennis, just because he's so uh, like transparently soft. Um, however, he's not the softest men's tennis player. Peter, can you guess who that would be? Uh, the softest male tennis player. My 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 mind immediately uh, thinks uh, goes towards the French players. Um, I'll give you a hint. French word that'll be a hint. Uh, chausseur or chaussette. Chaussette. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jack Sock. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, so sock. Uh, lost in the first round of qualifying again at um, at uh, Cincinnati, and he has not had an ATP Tour singles win all season. Yeah, Sock has really provided a good buffer for Dimitrov. Yeah, Dimitrov really is pulling a half sock. He's not pulling a full sock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still time for him to 
fully Sock, but um, I mean, compared to what Sock's going through, number 74 in the world is easy to come back from. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, more um, optimistic or positive news. Um, Nick Kyrgios, he had a big win in Washington. What were your takeaways from that? Uh, it was thrilling. It was it was electric. Um, and the stuff he was saying after the win was just so different from him. It, it was he was saying it was one of the best weeks of his life. He was saying that it was basically like an inspiration for him to be able to do this, and it'll play DC for the rest of his career. Um, he. He just had a great week. Like, I remember in his podcast, he started off strong because in his podcast, he, uh, he, he, uh, he extended the uh, invite to, to Sitsipas to be his doubles partner because he thought that if Sitsipas, um, he thought that he might like Sitsipas if they said hello together in the hallway more. <laughs> and, and, uh, it seemed like they really enjoyed playing together and put on a good show, but lost to the top seeds in the first round. And so then Kyrgios had a chance to actually play his doubles partner. And it seemed like he was really on a mission to beat Sitsipas because Sitsipas is like the new young gun who is sort of in the wheelhouse of people who like Kyrgios wants to prove himself to. And same with Medvedev. Uh, to some degree as well, but I think since the past more so, just because he's gotten more attention. Yeah, um, so, so here's an anecdote about that, apparently. Uh, like, after his quarterfinal match, Kyrgios was uh, playing ping pong with kids in D.C., and after every backhand, he would be like, sits a pass, sits a pass, sits a pass. That's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. Part, yeah, part of Kyrgios' whole thing is that he's weird. Yeah, that's his pimp role. He's got the swag, though. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy it when he's winning. I still don't like when he um, berates the ref and just acts like a total dick to somebody who isn't, you know... <laughs> it's just... He's in a tough position, who, who isn't trying to make the guy, you know, who isn't unbiased. He still does like yeah. that too much. Um, but, like, if he's if he's trying on court and, like, putting forth his best effort, um, he's really fun to watch. Like, he, he throws in more variety than, like, I think any player since, like, Fabrice Santoro. Like, he'll... One of his shots is just flat hitting a forehand as flat and hard as he fucking can. Um, and just hoping it like lands in. And then like he does, uh, he hits a ton of drop shots, um, more than most people, more than pretty much anyone. Um, he'll, he loves his tweener. I think the tweeners are kind of annoying. Um, but, I don't know. I think 
I love the variety he used. Like, his underarm serve, serve, it gets a lot of attention for the wrong reasons. Like, it's an effective shot. Like, but people say he's, like, doing it to, uh, I don't know, be people say it's disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the rules. Like, it, it's, it's, that kind of stuff I think is really cool, the way he's sort of expanding the game um, by being the person who's willing to, like, stick his neck out there and operate creatively. I think, uh, I think he, he had a new shot in D.C. I think he, he, it was a drop over arm serve, which was basically a change up that, uh, he hit like very soft and spun it out wide. My issue though with all of this is that if you have the like incredible fastball that Kyrgios has, like doing anything else means you won't get to like throw your fastball. Yeah, but if it's in the opponent's head that they might have to deal with a changeup. It might make them, like, position themselves half a step forward on the serve to open up holes for the fastball. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so he, he goes on to beat Pass, and then he, he beats uh, Medvedev in the final, um, beating, yeah, two of the hottest players on tour right now. Um winning a 500-level tournament. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see the, the points. Uh, he's now, like, near top 20 um, in the race and, like, top 30 in the rankings. Um, and pretty much all of his points come from two tournaments, uh, uh, Acapulco and DC, two 500-level events that he won. And he's just sort of, like, been a dud in every other one. So... Hopefully, and they uh, haven't been they haven't been cheap wins either. He beat real opponents in both those. Yeah. Um, and he had a, a good win even before Sitsa Pass. I'm I'm blanking on it though in DC. Yeah, I'm blanking on it too. Um, and and uh, and in Acapulco, he just like he he did it the hard. He beat like hard opponents. Um, who it was Nadal. Then, uh, Stan, I think somebody else, and then Vera. Yeah, he, he had, um, really, that was, like, a really good win. It's, like, so it's clear that his level, uh, his top level can win against anybody. Uh, it's just that, yeah, the stuff off court. And so hopefully he can, uh, get himself together because... Everyone benefits when he's playing well and trying hard. Um, and that Nadal match in Wimbledon was pretty epic. Yeah, that, he easily could have won that. They like Nadal didn't even have a break on Kyrgios's a break opportunity on Kyrgios to serve from the final two sets. Yeah, agreed. But, so one of the things that we were discussing was how in matches he's actually pretty mentally tough. Um, like, in the match itself. I mean, I don't know. There are caveats to that, too. Like, he was up upset in a break on Sitsipas and then kind of, like, 
unraveled uh, and had to sort of step up again in the third set. But um, he's not the kind of guy who, like, chokes when he's, like, it, it, he can play the big point very well. Yeah, like, if it's a tie break, if it's a deciding set tie break, uh, he's, uh, he's not, he's the opposite of Dimitrov. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your takeaways from Montreal this week? Um, I think, uh, a few things. So first, uh, no, Medvedev is in the finals again. Um, meaning Medvedev will have had, will have accumulated at least 900 points in the last two weeks. He's now sixth in the race. He's had a very unassuming rise. Like, I guess he wasn't quite young enough to be a highly touted... <clears throat> Sorry, he wasn't quite good enough as a teenager to be, like, a highly touted up-and-comer. And, and uh, as we were discussing earlier... There may be a little bit of a anti-Eastern European bias on the tennis, among tennis fans. Like he's Russian. He uh, Djokovic also just really doesn't have many fans, or he doesn't have the love that he should have. Um, but he's also kind of like I guess he is fun to watch, but there is kind of like a blandness to his persona and but he he has a very complete game and so i was uh he's a really good athlete yeah very good athlete i he has a very good backhand he's his fundamentals are awesome he even like most guys hit their forehand and like try to hit their forehand in the high leverage moments he tries to hit his backhand and um I kind of think of him as the tennis version of Kawhi Leonard. Not going to, like, wow you in many situations, but his fundamentals are extremely strong. Uh, uh, what's his name? Medvedev has a great backhand. Kawhi's a great defender. Um, they both just sort of do their business, plod through the draws, and nobody wants to face them. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Um Another, I guess, similarity is that Kawhi is just an unbelievable athlete um, among unbelievable athletes, and so is Medvedev. Like, there aren't many people who I would say are better athletes than him. Like, uh, I guess there's, um, I, I'm not, let's not, not including the big three and not including Mark, but there's like, uh, I guess Team is also just an unbelievable athlete. Um, Mount is a great athlete. Yeah. Um, but he is, uh, he is um, an elite physical specimen, um, and that goes a long way. It seems like he's got his head there, too, um, now. And, uh, yeah, he... he uh, I was interested to see... How he 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 beat Kachanov, his uh, fellow countrymen, and both are around the same age, um, with similar upside. Um, 
I actually think Kachinov is the better athlete. I watched that match yesterday. Yeah, so did I. And Kachinov looked like the better athlete, but less mentally strong. I I, I think um, I thought I thought Medvedev was the better athlete. Uh, Kachinov hits a hits a bigger ball, I think. Uh, but um, Medvedev is like quicker. Yeah, and I guess. Talking about Medvedev's mental toughness, it kind of it might ring hollow today because he almost choked yesterday. Yeah. I also, um, when he was in the finals against uh, Fognini in Monte Carlo, uh, he won. I think it was the. I think no, no, it was against Lajovic in the semifinals. The road was like wide open for him to uh, make the finals against like a beatable opponent. And won his first Masters 1000. And uh, he won the first set really easily. And then Lajovic like, came in strong in the second. And uh, Medvedev just crumbled. Um, and so, like, uh, he's not, like... Like, every match, he's not, like, a mental giant. Um, yeah. I think I actually think that's like something that um, can improve about his game is like uh, when when that he's be, that may be why he lost to Kyrgios. It's yeah. like they're kind of inverses in that Medvedev off the court. It seems like the foundation and structure in his life is really there for him to like build habits that help him excel. But in the moment, he isn't quite the mental giant. Yeah, there's one situation where I've seen him uh, um, lose a few times, which is he comes out extremely strong, and just you think, how is anybody ever going to beat this guy? And then uh, the other guy punches back, and he doesn't know what to do when the other guy like punches back, um, huh. and so he like he like uh, came back down to earth. Um, but we are, I think, um, outside the big three, this has been a super weird year. Because we have Sitsipas and Medvedev at five and six in the race. Um, they're having, they're both having great years and they're both very promising young stars. But if, like, what do you think the over under would be? for betting on Tsitsipas to be top five again next year. It's kind of like Zverev, I think, where it's on the one hand, he's very talented, but on the other hand, he may be the beneficiary of just a lot of down years by other people. Um, I think a lot depends on if he he keeps improving. Um, If he stays like where he is now, then yeah, it's... uh, it's sort of a coin flip, but if he continues to improve and he's only 21 now, um, then uh, I think you can bank on him being in the top five. Yeah. I think the real talent is Felix. He's the one who's just sort of like... He's on the... the, uh, rank. His ranking curve is like slightly worse than the Dolls. Yeah. Um, And... But Nadal's was the best ever in terms of, like, for younger players getting to the top of the game. Like, Felix could be a top 15. He's 
He's 12th in the race. He he might be a top 15 player by the end of the year. And Nadal was number three in the world when he was 19. If Felix has a good U.S. Open, he could be like top 10 in the world. Um, but that's just a uh, tangent. Yeah. What what I was really getting at was so there's a lot of like weirdness in terms of like who's doing well in the race. Batista Gu is like seventh or something. Um, Berrettini is top 15. Um, Guido Pella is top 15. Uh, it's just like a bunch of guys who aren't really young. They're, they've never really were seen as people who had a, who had a lot of upside. And, uh, and there's, it's, like, would you bet on them to match their, uh, like, their point totals of this year, next year? Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's, uh, there have been some just <clears throat> uh, unlucky things like Del Pocho getting injured again, Kevin Anderson being injured, Milos continuing to be injured, um, and then there have been, uh, things like Sverev just inexplicably, like, uh, taking a step backwards, um. He's still 10th in the race, though. Like, it's honestly, it's honestly, like, kind of a good sign that this is what he looks like on a down year. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's not Dimitrov right now. How I like okay, I know he's tenth in the race and I see the points. I'm just wondering how is he tenth in the race? <laughs> like yeah. uh I don't remember which tournaments he won, um or like did well in. Um But Maybe it's the ones we just decided not to pay attention to anymore because the good people were out. Yeah. Um Is uh, but he didn't even win like the German events. He usually that are like usually just like share things for him, like uh, what's the? It's not Hamburg or or might be Stuttgart. Uh, one of the grass court events he always wins, and he lost in like the quarters. Um, yeah, he's having a down year. But it is, yeah, it is kind of an interesting year um, outside of the big three. Um, yeah. Um, and back to Felix, I think, uh, dude, his, his second serve is so terrible. Like, which is, like, such sort of, like, encouraging in a way. Because, uh, so he double faults, at least in big matches, uh, 10 to 15 times a match. So if he even changed it to a slightly below average second serve, he'd be top 10. And if he had an average second serve, he's a top five player right now. Like, yeah. the only reason he lost to Isner in Miami was because of double faults. And that's actually been dogging him. And, like, a lot of his losses are, you can directly say, like, the only reason he lost is double faults. Yeah. But, I mean, it's been like this all season. 
So it's not just like a temporary thing. This is like something, um, this is like part of his game's like DNA at the moment. And he's going to have to like figure out how to like, like change it. Yeah. It's not like a quick Nurt fix like it. I, I originally thought it was. Yeah, nurture this nature. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at the Cincinnati draw. Oh, yeah, one 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 conversation topic is that Murray's, Murray's in the singles draw this time around. Yeah. Um, so what, what's, what's, what are you predicting? How do you think he'll do? He plays Gasquet first round and then team second round if he wins. Uh, I don't know. I could see him. I don't know. It's so hard to predict. Uh, I think he'll beat Gasquet, and then it's anyone's guess. Probably lose the team. Yeah. But then team has really high highs and really low lows, and you don't know where it, like team got crushed by Medvedev. Gasquet had a really big win against Nishikori in, um, in Montreal. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gasquet beat Murray. Um, but it will be interesting to see uh, how strong, what what type of form Murray is in, because uh, like guys who are that good tend to come back pretty quickly. Like uh, Del Potro, in his most recent few comebacks, have, has just like come back after six months off and been in the semifinals of a tournament. Like been yeah. beating everyone who's not top ten. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Murray's taken a lot of time off, but even in the Australian Open, um, he got he took a very informed Bautista Agu, who's eighth in the race right now and made the semis of Wimbledon. He took him to five sets. So yeah, I think it would. Uh, it's uh, not um, intelligent to bet against these guys, no matter how long they've been out, uh, assuming they're healthy. Yeah, would it be really, like, would it be really, I guess, like, he's the ultimate, at least right now, imagine him in the U.S. Open as the ultimate floater, and, like, Djokovic getting him in the first round. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Or, like, Nadal or Federer. Like, what if there's a big four matchup in the first round? Yeah. Um, that would suck for Murray. That would be really unlucky. Um, yeah, but it would suck for the other guy, too. It would suck for everybody. Um, yeah. Other matchups. There is... Uh, Felix and Zverev are supposed to play second round. Um, We've talked about San Dimitrov... Uh, Shapovalov against Fognini. That'll be anyone's guess, just because Fognini had kind of a weird... He got like he, had a, he got to the quarterfinals of Montreal, and uh, I'm not sure if he's the two tournaments in a row type of guy. Um, Shapovalov had a disappointing Canada swing. He's had a disappointing year overall. He's just hitting way too many errors and in his own head. Um, with him, I think, uh, 
I think I think he gets the leash of like one more year, and if by this t- this time next year he's not um, he's not like cutting down on his errors significantly, it may be time to sort of label uh, him as Fernando Gonzalez. Yeah, move on from him as like a potential <laughs> heir to the big three. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he shanks so many balls, but when they go in, they look amazing. Um, yeah, and sometimes he can string together sort of sets where he's he looks unbelievable. Yeah. Um, more, I think Taylor Fritz, David Goffin, is a good matchup um, first round. Same with Riley Opelka, Borna George. Americans tend to like overperform on home soil, so I, I think like Americans can do well um, there. And then, um, yeah, we were talking about before the pot. Uh, what are the odds that Nadal plays? Um, like, even if he loses to Medvedev in this final, which is um, going to start in 15 minutes, like this is when we're recording the podcast before they're off the Medvedev final. Um, do you think Rafa will withdraw from uh, Cincinnati, win or lose? Uh, yeah, if I were a betting man, I'd say yes. But then the question becomes, like, who wins that bottom? The the top half is, like, loaded. And then the bottom half has, like, Zverev, who's had his issues recently. Team who, uh, I think he's kind of been sort of an inconsistent funk right now. Nisha Corey, who's had some losses um, like if Nadal does not play, who surfaces from that? Like this could be like Felix's breakthrough. Yeah, Felix. Or uh, imagine Murray gets past team, and uh, yeah, what, what if it's Murray? Yeah, so like if Murray wins his first two matches, then he's like automatically becomes the favorite. Um, yeah, which would be. But uh, Chilich is a former finalist here. Um. Is he a former champion or former finalist? He's done well here. Um, it's his favorite surface. Um, this is the time of year when he uh, brings his best tennis historically. So uh, he's he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I don't think Nadal's going to play this tournament. The, the first time I looked at this draw, I was just like, oh, Djokovic is going to walk through it. But then I, I look at it again and I see like, all right, he could play Query in the second round, Isner in the third round, um, Kyrgios or somebody with Kyrgios Fognini. I don't think Kashinov is going to make it just because he went so far in uh, in Montreal. But Kyrgios Fognini, um, uh, Kashinov, um, one of those three could be just like an opponent with high firepower in the quarters. Then Federer or Sitsipas in the semis. And whoever surfaces bottom half in the in the final. I mean, he could have a hard draw, but I'm wondering if I'm overthinking it or if he's if it is just like, yeah, Djokovic is gonna walk through this thing. I mean Djokovic I is the favorite as, in as every is. tournament he plays, but I do agree that it's kind of a tough draw. So, like, these yeah, Americans everyone. are much better in America, like, on fast, hard courts. Like, Quarry and Isner. Yeah. 
And everyone who he might play also has a tough draw. I guess Nature of the Beast and a Masters 1000. Like, uh, Federer... I guess Federer's second-round match... Federer's first match shouldn't be too difficult for him. Berrettini or Londero. But then he'll have either Basilishvili, Stan, or Grigor. Um, then he'd have Sitsipas or Medvedev. Um, I mean, he'd have he'll have a tough draw before. Yeah, Djokovic. that's a really stacked uh, section of the draw. Yeah, and so, and I feel like uh, like Kyrgios. This might be one of those tournaments where Kyrgios just like shits the bed. And I don't know if Kyrgios really wants a piece of Djokovic. He's talked enough shit where it's like... He, he wants to guard to, like, his head-to-head. Yeah, like, what if this quarterfinal between Novak and and Kyrgios... What if this is their, like, their, like matchup since, since Djokovic, since Kyrgios has been talking all that shit? And uh, Djokovic just, like annihilates him yeah yeah um yeah i'm sort of cheering for that to happen but yeah it's just so hard to bet on curious um even when he's saying the right things this almost has two curious has too hard a draw to get to that point like i just don't think he'll get through a first rounder against a rando followed by catching off followed by like Pognini or Shapovalov, or even like Pui. Yeah, um, he's just impossible to bet on. He's had two good tournaments all season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to our listeners, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, between the end of. Uh, Cincinnati and the beginning of the U.S. Open, probably when the U.S. Open draw comes out. Um, And yeah, if you enjoyed listening, um, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe, um, give us a five-star review, and follow us on Twitter, um, at Doubles Alley Pod. Um, Yeah, um, thanks again.